Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to The Dive, the podcast that says, who said business news needs to be all business? While we've been working away, chained to our desks, covering multiple stories in detail, Bryce has been swanning about in Europe. Okay, maybe that's a little harsh. He did deserve a holiday. But from that deck chair in the Northern Hemisphere, he did read a couple of stories that slipped past us on the dive. So Bryce is back. And what has he brought to the agenda? He's brought a company that was once valued at $47 billion that's now on its knees. The fact that Saudi Arabia seemingly has a blank checkbook when it comes to sport. And with an Australian woman recently being fired for her lack of output when working at home, what's the lay of the land for those who are choosing not to go into the office? It's Wednesday, the 23rd of August, and today I want to know, what stories does Bryce think that we missed? Bryce, to talk about this today, I don't really feel like anyone else can answer that question except for you. (laughs) That's it, Sasha. Great to be back. And I think... um, you'll get a good indication of what I was reading when I was overseas and it was not a lot, I can tell you that. (laughs) Really had a great time. Big break. Yeah, it's good to hear that you're well rested. You're back with a vengeance. And yeah, I do think, you know, we can't cover everything. So why not just get the top line reports from three interesting stories? And I think you brought three good ones for us today. So let's start with work from home trend now becoming work sometimes from home. An Australian woman has revealed her side of the story after she was fired for not using her keyboard enough while working from home. I'm very aware while I open this up that I am sitting in my home office (laughs) talking to my boss. So I'm really hoping that this is going to be a positive A little uh, bit outcome. different though, <laughs> Sasha. We don't have a equity mates office down in Melbourne. So technically you are at your office. I am at the equity mates <laughs> HQ in the Victorian state. All right, give me the takeaway for this. So, yeah, so the work from home trend now seems to be coming the work sometimes from home. And the story that kind of got my attention here was an Australian woman has been fired from a major insurance company after Keystroke Technology found that she wasn't typing enough while working from home. Yes, this did give me some ideas for our employees here at Equimates Media. <laughs> Essentially, uh, if you're unaware, keystroke technology is software that tracks keyboard usage. Um, so okay. it's installed by the company to uh, help them understand how much their employees are actually using their computer. Now, as part mm-hmm. of a performance plan, the woman was subject to a detailed review of cyber activity, which looked at how many times she pressed buttons on her keyboard 
across 49 working days from October through to December last year. I want to hear what these numbers actually <laughs> yeah, said, Bryce. So, it's so classic. <laughs> the review found that she started late on 47 out of 49 days, did not work her rostered hours for 44 days, finished <laughs> early on 29 days and performed zero hours of work <laughs> on four days. <laughs> Pretty hard to excuse that, exactly. I imagine. So they also found, though, that on the days she did log on, she had very low keystroke activity and recorded zero strokes over 117 hours in October, 143 <laughs> hours in November and 60 hours in December. She was absolutely sprung. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that she took... She took her former employer to Fair Work Commission over this as well, didn't she? Did. She? she did. She thought, this is unfair that I'm being fired for not doing any work. So she went to the Fair Work Commission who rejected an unfair dismissal application stating that she was fired for a valid reason of misconduct and was not working as she was required. So there you go. Okay. So this is a pretty funny headline, but it does kind of point to a larger trend at play, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess the biggest story here and one that a lot of people are probably experiencing across the country is that it comes as the trend of companies forcing staff back to the office is really ramping up. The technology behind Zoom made remote working possible, almost fundamentally altering where and how we work and even what we wear to work or we don't wear. Ironically, Zoom, a pioneer in enabling staff to work from home during the COVID pandemic with the technology being used by workers around the world throughout lockdowns, they've ordered staff back into the office at least two days a week. Now Zoom is telling its employees to come back to the office at least twice a week. The change comes after a drop in demand for Zoom services following the end of the pandemic. Zoom said it believes a structured hybrid approach is the most effective work option. And I think that's what we're really seeing now is the hybrid approach. And it comes after similar moves from entertainment giants, Disney, tech companies and online retailer Amazon, and even the White House in the United States are forcing people back into the office. We've seen Elon Musk when he took over Twitter, which is now called X in late 2022. He scrapped the company's working from home policy entirely and said staff would have to work from offices full time aside from exceptional circumstances. Disney CEO Bob Iger has ordered staff to return to the office four days per week, citing the tremendous value in being physically together. And here in Australia, Commonwealth Bank received hundreds of complaints from staff after ordering its 49,000 strong workforce back into the office for at least 50% of the time. So the days of 100% work from home, Sasha, seem to be disappearing. The hybrid approach is the preferred, uh, I guess, setup for now. Where it goes from here, who knows? But equity mates, still no rules here. <laughs> still no <laughs> rules. Look, I welcome keystroke activity. I think I more than passed the bar <laughs> with that <laughs> that report. Interesting, really. Let's see how <laughs> well, maybe we mouse clicks. <laughs> maybe mouse clicks more than keystrokes. But your second story is about Saudi Arabia mm. uh, spending big on soccer. Yeah, I mean, you can't miss this one. It is it is crazy. But in case you have missed it, Saudi Arabia is looking to lure some of the world's best-known soccer players to join Cristiano Ronaldo, perhaps one of the best-known in its national league. Suddenly, red shirts flooding back. Chance for Cristiano Ronaldo! 2-2! Now, Saudi Arabia has spent at least $6.3 billion in sports deals since early 2021. 
in less than two years, they've spent $6 billion, more than quadruple the previous amount spent over a six-year period in what critics have labelled an effort to distract from its human rights record. And we've done plenty of episodes on the dive previously discussing what they're doing in Live and uh, and many other sports Mm -hmm. around the world. But now they are turning their attention to soccer. Saudi Arabia has deployed billions from its public investment fund over the last two and a half years, according to analysis by The Guardian, spending on sports at a scale that has completely changed professional golf with Live and transformed the international transfer market for football. So, Sasha, now that they essentially own World Golf, and yes, own World Golf, we recently did an episode on this called Live Golf Tease Off, their attention is turning to soccer, where they're trying to turn the country's domestic league, which is essentially a footnote on a global scale, into a destination for the top talent of soccer from around the world. The project's goal is not so much to make the Saudi League an equal of, you know, the century-old competitions like England's Premier League or other top European competitions, but to increase Saudi influence in the sport and perhaps boost its profile as it bids for the 2030 World Cup. But to make this happen, Saudi clubs are already approaching players receptive to moving to the kingdom with some of the highest annual salaries in sports history. This is where you're going to love this, Sasha. Yes. Yes. So. <laughs> Don't know much about sport. Know what money is. Yes, so, big so, money. Hit me so. with these figures. <laughs> The first high-profile deal was obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, a five-time World Player of the Year, has led the way joining Al Nasir Football Club in a two-year deal that landed him $191.7 million per year. So over $2 million a week. (laughs) Easily. That's just stupid. The stupid money. No, no, $4 million a week. That's nuts. Anyway, some of the other big deals... There's been 24 notable ones, but we've had um, Karim Benzema, the 35-year-old France international, signed a two-year contract worth $436 million. Superb from Karim Benzema! What a superb finish from Karim Benzema, the number one striker right now. Yeah, if you are a soccer fan, you are undoubtedly familiar with the superhuman known as Neymar Jr. He's the star player for, for Barcelona. And for the Brazilian national team, he won an Olympic gold medal. And Brazilian superstar Neymar, 31 years old, uh, he's an all-time top scorer. He's signed a two-year contract with an annual salary of $100 million. But Sasha, this is where it gets really interesting. He gets a contract worth $100 million a year to go and play in Saudi Arabia. This is what mm-hmm. else he gets as part of that contract. He gets a house with 25 bedrooms with a 40 by 10 meter swimming pool and three saunas. He gets five full-time staff for his house. He gets three cars, a Bentley Continental GT, an Aston Martin DBX and a Lamborghini Hurricane. He gets a 24-hour driver, all bills for hotels, restaurants and various services on his off days will be sent to club headquarters to be paid. He gets a private plane at his disposal and 500,000 euro for each social media post that promotes Saudi Arabia. Oh, there's the kicker, isn't it? <laughs> I just can't imagine 25 bedrooms. I don't think I have 25 friends. 25, That's exactly. So many. What the hell? What That's... are you going to do with all that space? <laughs> oh, my God. They just have so much cash and they're just throwing it around. So who knows where this is going to lead? It does remind us of the efforts that China made with soccer about 10 years ago. They really sought to force their way into the global soccer conversation through a series of high-profile and high-dollar acquisitions. However, 
that bold plan eventually marred by broken contracts, economic implosions, and the coronavirus pandemic is seemingly at an end and clubs are unable to pay their bills and some clubs just aren't playing games. However, mm-hmm. you know, Saudi with the vast oil reserves that they have seem to have untapped blank checkbooks. So will the same sort of result occur for the Saudi league? Who knows? The question for me though is how sustainable is this? Billions of dollars spent on sport. It's just it's just incredible. Where do they turn next? So yeah, caught my attention. Big, big money. Absolutely feel like there's more to unpack in that story. If you agree, then hit us up and tell us at contact at equitymates.com if you want us to cover that in a full dive episode. Bryce, let's turn to how a former giant of a company that was once valued at $47 billion is now supposedly on its knees. But we're going to talk about that after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to The Dive. I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder and CEO of Equity Mates. It's Bryce Lusky. He's back. He's tanned. He's ready to chat about all things (laughs) business. Bryce, your last story is that WeWork is on its last legs, supposedly. It is. We were once WeWorkers, Mm. so we're pretty interested in this story. We were once WeWorkers, Sasha, and as we'll find out, we left WeWork when they changed the rules for the beer taps to be open from (laughs) two until five. (laughs) Who drinks beer between two and five on a workday? Not equity mates, that's for sure. Nope. But yes, we started with a work from home story and we're going to end with a story that has some connotations. WeWork was once hailed as the future of the office. And as you said, Sasha, it had a market cap of $47 billion at its peak. However, in early August 2023, shares in the company plunged after it raised, quote, substantial doubt about its future. Not what you want to hear Mm -hmm. if you're a shareholder in WeWork. Certainly not. No, (laughs) the stock fell more than 25% after the announcement and it's down 90% year to date. It is getting absolutely hammered. So the journey of WeWork has been a bumpy one to say the least, and we could be near the end. So let's do a bit of a quick recap. In 2019, they made a disastrous attempt to publicly list on the New York Stock Exchange. However, that imploded after investors raised alarms about the company's massive losses and insider dealings. Side note, Mm -hmm. watch We Crashed on Apple TV to get a good idea on how this all played out with their crazy founder, Adam Newman. Let's find the hottest sector, and if you don't have the insight, IP, genius, capital code, skills, human capital, or a clue, then just borrow the words. Then the pandemic hit, sparking a revolution in remote working and exposing WeWork to blistering public criticism from tenants looking to escape their leases. I don't think they were very accommodating to organizations that were, you know, long-term leases 
without anyone actually coming into the office. And yet somehow the company kept operating. They were limping along as executives sold off ancillary parts to the business, cut jobs, cancelled or modified hundreds of leases, trying desperately to stem the firm's losses before it ran out of money. Then two years ago, WeWork managed to list. They raised $1.3 billion from investors and, as we said, hit a peak of $47 billion in market cap. But, Sasha, the time could be up. They're facing serious financial pressures at the moment. They're challenged with a soft demand and a difficult operating environment. The firm said that it needed to raise additional capital to keep it afloat over the next 12 months. They had a loss of $397 million between April and June, a net loss of $2.3 billion last year. That was after $4.6 billion loss the year before. Now, they're still operating in 600 locations in 33 countries around the world, but they are seriously on their knees. If they can't raise enough capital to stay afloat over the next 12 months, uh, you can see the liquidators walking in. So the question remains, though, with people being forced back into offices, and this is how it kind of ties back to our first story, can they turn this around? Can they become profitable? Can they position themselves to be that satellite office for you know those people who are working three days a week? But Sasha, my answer to that is no. I read an article that they have closed all beer taps in Australia. <gasps> Cost-cutting exercise. You can't even get a beer at a WeWork anymore. Someone likened it to a university hall and <laughs> it's not good news for WeWork. So watch this space. Look, Bryce, I thought the outlook didn't look good just from the numbers but the beer is the final nail in the coffin for me. So I agree. I think like, oh, how do you come back from that? I know. And, and for those that, you know, we, WeWork used to be quite a, you know, it, it used to be a brand that people wanted to be associated with. You know, you, oh, you have an office at WeWork. It, it was that brand of aspiration and, and you know, we're, we're part of a, an organization that is kind of changing the world. And, and when we went to WeWork, which was sort of mid-COVID, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty empty office and- it was positioned for startups. But I think what was interesting is the change that we saw as they tried to become profitable. They they looked for organizations that had much larger budgets and so started targeting less and less startups and uh, increasing their prices and trying to target the Nikes and the Microsofts of the world. So they're certainly trying, but um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic and, and uh, the next 12 months are critical for them. Well, Bryce, three great stories today. As always, if you enjoyed them and think that we should do a full episode on any of them, as I said, link in the show notes below. Bryce, welcome back from holidays. Glad that you're well rested and feeling ready to get back into it. And we'll talk again soon. Hell yeah. Love it, Sasha. Great to be back. As always, best thing that you can do for us, a favor from me, is to send the podcast to a friend. Send it to someone who you think will enjoy it. And we'll be back in your feed on Friday. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.